Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman. Unfortunately, here solo today. And uh, listen, I, I know I, I made a promise of a, of a special guest today. And I guess now I can reveal who that was just so uh, I can't be accused of making things up. Because this is a guy that I've had multiple people on Twitter ask when we're going to have him on. Dean Maniart was supposed to be on the podcast today, unfortunately for him. Uh, he, he sent me a text this morning when I woke up and said that uh, he had a little bit of a sore throat. He's feeling a little bit under the weather. He, he Look, he, he tried to battle through. I'll give him some credit. He told me he had some lemon tea that tried to, you know, get him up to full health to be able to podcast. And he said, no, I'm not going to mention the fact that I'm uh, feeling a little under the weather myself with uh, some some throat soreness. Let's just say that. But I'm still here. I'm still going to pod. So I'm not, uh, you know, you can make... Uh, your own decisions whether I'm calling out Dean here. But I know multiple listeners have been asking when Dean's going to come on. So uh, it's been a little bit difficult with the time difference to make something work with him. But we're definitely going to get him on at some point when he recovers, when he feels better. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, Dean does look at the game differently to the way I do. He's a very smart man. I want to get him on. I want to pick his mind for what he's seen from this Bucks team this season so dean is coming at some point unfortunately today he wasn't able to come on but that's okay because i have just got back from bucks practice here today we got to speak to eric bledsoe marvin williams and also uh coach bud and it was an interesting practice because before we went in so what happens when we go to practice is we'll sit at the media room at the practice facility and you can hear the balls bouncing. You can hear the, the guys yelling and, and running through sets and doing that sort of thing. But we don't actually get to watch that. When we get to come into practice, we see the guys shooting around a little bit and having some fun. But on this day, it sounded like there was a lot of laughter, a lot of things going on behind that door. So once we got in, naturally, you asked a question. And we were told today that they were having some half-court shooting competitions and Marvin Williams was really interesting and I'm going to say this again I've said this ever since Marvin came to Milwaukee anytime he has a media availability make sure you watch it because he is he's fascinating to listen to as a veteran that's been in the league he's been around for a long time he's seen a lot of things and I just think he always has something interesting to say as someone that uh is obviously now part of basketball media but still a basketball fan and 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 love hearing insight from these guys uh, particularly someone like Marvin Williams. So the other night, I, I think I mentioned this on the pod yesterday that Marvin mentioned uh, how relaxed this team is and it was kind of a surprise to him. So uh, we sort of followed up on that today and, and I have a couple of quotes I want to read out. It's just really interesting, really interesting stuff. So Williams says, well, yeah, he laughed and he goes, well, I just wasn't expecting this. He says, when you look at this team from the outside looking in, the best team in the NBA, you think these guys are dialed in. And he goes, well, they are. Don't get me wrong, but I just thought it was going to be all the time. But they are laughing. They are joking. 
And he says, we just had a 10 minute practice and he started laughing. We did most of our practice mentally in the film room today, which is cool, but it's just different here. I think coach does it differently and it makes guys feel good. The coaching staff makes guys feel good. And the players, they're just great guys. They are fun to be around. They love uh, being around each other and they love playing together. And it was such an interesting thing because in my time uh, covering sports and, and particularly my time being in Milwaukee, this is one of the more enjoyable things to see when the bucks bring in new players to this roster uh this is is always a, a common theme and and it just again points to what the bucks have been able to build in this locker room i, I know that still some people scoff at, at bucks dna as a um something as a token sort of word that the bucks throw out there but i i think it's real it's real in the way that what they carefully pick and choose the type of guy that they bring into this locker room and it's very clear that these guys have a special connection. And I think back to last season and after walking away from practice today, I, I, I wanted to go back and find uh, a couple of these quotes here that I had from talking to the guys last year because, uh, you know, Marvin Williams, as I said, the guy that, that was drafted in 2005, he's been around the block. He, he's been in plenty of NBA locker rooms, but he's not the first veteran the Bucks have brought in. And I think back to Nico Miritich last year when he came in and, and how happy he was to be in Milwaukee. Now, again, we know how that panned out. But I, I still remember him saying or describing coming to Milwaukee from New Orleans. And again, it wasn't a knock on New Orleans, but just the chance to come to Milwaukee and be a part of this team. He said it was like winning the lottery. And he wasn't the only one that spoke that way. George Hill, uh, I, I asked him like going before the playoffs last year. And he said he, he the only situation that he'd been in even close to this was a couple of years uh, with Indiana where they had a, a, a solid group and, and they, they played together and had a similar locker room. Uh, that were like that, but he he said that this is this is really really unique. And he said there's no no egos in our locker room. There's no hatred in our locker room. One through fifteen and right through our coaching staff, everybody enjoys being here. Everybody enjoys playing together. And and again, it's just another guy that has been in a bunch of situations that has come to Milwaukee and still can say this is special. And and Pau Gasol, obviously another one of those players who again pointed to the fact that. He's been in really successful teams. He's been on, on really great rosters with some of the best to, to ever play the game. But he agreed that this situation in terms of you have your star guy in Giannis, but it doesn't feel like that in the locker room in terms of how everyone is together, everyone contributes, everyone feels like they're able to speak up and, and say their piece. It's just such an interesting environment that the Bucks have been able to uh, produce in this locker room and something that that's that's really rare and and to hear marvin williams just be so shocked mid-season to come here and and go through these practices like he said a 10-minute practice today and sort of laugh about it and think well i just figured that this team 50 and 8 best team in the nba i thought that they'll be working 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 all the time and he was very quick to say that everyone works hard but they also have fun with each other and i asked him i said well as someone that's come in here and is trying to integrate and be a part of this roster and figure out what everyone is doing. Is it hard that you have a 10 minute practice today? And maybe for you, you need that more time uh, on the court. And uh, again, he sort of just laughed and said, well, you know, defensively, I'm feeling fine. Defense is defense anywhere you go in the NBA, but uh, offensively is where I'm trying to figure things out. And uh, I think we've seen this over the last couple of games with him, uh, his ability to uh, get to his spots, particularly in the corners, shoot those threes, uh, with the quick release that he does have. And just seems like he's been a little bit more confident uh, with the ball in hand. But 
uh, as I said, anytime Marvin Williams is speaking, I would say that that is, is a must listen for Bucks fans. And uh, another little insight, I guess, for someone that has come from the outside, come into this Milwaukee, Milwaukee locker room and probably being taken aback about how, how close these guys are and, uh, and how well they get along. And I think that that's what we're seeing translate on the court and that's why they're so good. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Bucks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Milwaukee Bucks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Milwaukee Bucks fans that are well-educated with disposable income then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to double three triple seven, or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get the team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you guys. So just following up from that opening to this podcast, uh, I think one thing that I always like to point out when people ask me about how this Bucks team has been able to improve this season or where the, the improvement has come from, I think one of the easiest examples to point to is the fact that this is Bud's second year with the Bucks, And I think that for most groups that come together with a bunch of new uh, pieces and, and the Bucks had that last year, when you think about the guys that they had, um, you know, obviously the main one being Brooke Lopez, they came to the group, but through the season, there's some of the key pieces that they added uh, with George Hill, for instance, through that trade and then trying to integrate Nikola Mirotic. It was, it was a new group and sure. There were some guys that had played together in the past, but again, this season, as I pointed to over the last couple of podcasts, uh, now obviously Marvin Williams being one of those guys, but Dante DiVincenzo, who did not play down the stretch uh, last season. Kyle Corver's a guy that's played big minutes. Wesley Matthews. So there's a bunch of new faces. And I think that sometimes it's overlooked that last season, because the Bucs won 60 games, because they were so good, it was still seen from, from many from the outside as a failure of the season. Even though this was the first time this group had been together, the first time they'd made an extended playoff run, and they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, won 60 games. Now, all of a sudden, they've come back this summer. There's no getting to know each other. They already know what everyone's about. They've added some new pieces, but the core has stuck together this season coming into year two with Bud. And Bud knows the guys. And we speak about it a lot, about last year, how Bud was very rigid uh, particularly offensively with what he wanted the guys to do. It was always a five-out offense. Didn't see a lot of variation from that. Threes and dunks. So Giannis dunks or everyone else shooting threes. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we saw. And if you remember back to last preseason, how incredible it was to watch this Bucks team play with the pace they played at with the threes they were getting up because we just hadn't seen that in the, in the Jason Kidd, Joe Pranti era. So now they've come back this season and, and we always talk about it. We see Bud loosening the reins a little bit on this team, particularly with a guy like Chris Milton, but also Brooke Lopez. So I, I just have to practice say I went through some of the numbers and it's really interesting to look at. Chris Milton in particular, I remember we're 58 games into this season and Milton missed a bunch of those 
with the with the what 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 did we decide that was the Charlie horse earlier in the season? I think that's what Frank wanted to call it. So he's already missed a bunch of games. So I think he's played 50, 51 games at this point. Chris Melton on mid-range jump shots this season: one hundred thirty-two of two hundred fifty, fifty-two point eight percent from the mid-range. Last year for the entire season, he was 108 of 248, 43.5. So he's officially already eclipsed the amount of attempts he's taken this season from the mid-range, and that's still with 24 games to go. Now, obviously there's been a spike in the percentages there, and we know that, that Chris Milton has been absolutely on fire pretty much from anywhere on the, on the floor. But the mid-range, is, there's always been a spot that he's been very comfortable in. Turnaround jump shots this season. Chris Middleton, 49 for 89, 55% on turnaround jump shots. Last season, he was even better, 59 for 100, 59%. Now, obviously, there's a huge disparity in games played there. So Middleton is going to absolutely shatter the 100, the 100 turnaround jump shot attempts that he had last season. The other thing to note, his three-point attempts have come down, 6.2 down to 5.5, but uh, his minutes have also come down. So uh, there's a little bit of a factor there. But those numbers from the mid-range from Milton are so interesting to me to look at because last year, when we think back to October, November, December, he was probably the guy for mine that seemed the most um, maybe uncomfortable is the word in terms of his role in the offense. His three-point attempts spiked through the roof from the year earlier. We know with Jason Kidd and, and, and Prunty, it was a lot of Middleton getting to his spots in that mid-range. And the numbers I just read out, I mean, this guy's shooting over 55% since Bud took over on turnaround jump shots. Maybe the toughest shot in the game. Middleton, one of the best exponents of it in, in, in modern basketball. He was asked to go away from that. And Bud didn't want him standing there in the post at the elbow trying to get uh, post touches there. He wanted him out. He wanted him out in the corners. He wanted him out beyond the perimeter, above the break, and he wanted him shooting threes. And I think that we've seen the benefit of that this season. Chris Milton shooting 43% from three, but he's taking the threes that he's good at. We always see the pull-up threes in transition that it feels like he's never going to miss. We always see him getting the switch on the perimeter. And when he has a big guy in front of him, he'll back the ball out. And you know he's putting it up. The defender knows he's putting it up. But he doesn't really have an answer to defend that. Chris Middleton knocks it down. So we're seeing the three-point attempts that he's getting are more in his wheelhouse. They're the ones that he wants to take. They're the ones that he feels more comfortable with. And that's probably why you're seeing the percentage go up from three. But we're seeing him in the mid-range a lot more. Where he's comfortable. He's taking the shots that he likes to take. And I think that that is probably the easiest thing to point to when you look at the difference in, in the Milwaukee offense this season. Giannis, obviously, another one. So these are all things when people ask you and say, well, the Bucs have got the same roster as last year. So, so how are they different? How are they doing anything different? What's going to be different in the playoffs? These are some things that you can point to. Giannis, we obviously know he's come out this season shooting a lot more threes, showing more confidence shooting those threes. Still goes through some, some stretches where he struggles. You know, and, and I know, you know, particularly like if we think over the last month or two, these games against Philadelphia, I know he hit a couple of threes the other night against the Sixers, but before that, one for 14 against Philly. So this is going to happen. He's going to have nights where he's going to miss threes. But overall on the season, we've seen a dramatic improvement. Last season, he, he made a career high of 52 but only attempted 200, so he was at 26%. This season, he's already attempted 245 and made 77. He's at 31.4%. 
you would love to see that get up to 33, 34 by the end of the season. But ultimately, when you look at this right now, even though he's had a bit of a rough stretch lately, this has been a dramatic improvement from him shooting the three while increasing the volume in a big, big way. And that's changed things for the Bucs. Him being out in the perimeter, him shooting those threes, we've seen how defenses have reacted to that. We've seen Giannis trying to throw in different wrinkles with a little hesitation dribble. We've seen him try different things on the perimeter to allow him to, to get into the paint. We've seen defenders come up and defend him a little bit closer at times. So this is just obviously another very, very easy thing to point to when you look at the difference in the Bucs uh, offense. And the other one, Brooke Lopez, we've spoke about this a lot, the, the, the way that the Bucs have been able to get him uh, closer to the basket, get him touches, particularly when Giannis isn't on the floor and have looked to go to Lopez in the post. If you look at his shot attempts, within five feet this season, he's already attempted 129 of those. He's uh, shooting 66.7%. Last season, he attempted 155, 74.2%, obviously a, a very high percentage there. The attempts per game from that range, less than five feet, as I said. 2.3 of those per game this season, 1.9 last season. And he's seen his free throw rate go up a little bit as well. So, yeah, if you want to talk about the, the Bucks three, or three of the Bucks probably four main guys on offense, guys that on any given night are going to look to give you 20 points, in Chris Giannis Brook, there's been a definitive change in not only what they're doing on the floor, but probably what they're being allowed to do and what Bud is also asking them to do. So we know that Bud gets a lot of criticism for sometimes not making the adjustments that people would like him to make. But in terms of what the Bucks are doing on the floor, we've definitively seen a change this season. Defensively, Bucks are still great. <laughs> they might have got better after spending some more time together on the court last season, understanding how each other moves, the connection between Bledsoe, Giannis, and Brooke, really the three key instigators of the defense, probably helps. The addition of Robin Lopez off the bench helps. The Bucks' defense has somehow got better. But offensively, I think we see a lot of positive sides and a lot of things that the Bucks are going to be able to throw in there in the playoffs. So when you do play a team like Toronto, similar to what we saw the other night, you don't have to be bogged down and you don't get stuck, uh, stuck in mud in the offense just passing the ball around the perimeter. And it's like, well, Giannis is double team, so what are we going to do now? Uh, we'll jack up a three at the end of the shot clock. The Bucks have got a, a, lots of different things that they can try with a bunch of different contributors. And as we pointed to, they have uh, you know, the, the real X factor in Dante DiVincenzo coming in there, adding the veteran in Marvin Williams. And they've got the guy that hasn't played for a few uh, games here in, in Kyle Corver as well that you might be able to get a sort of a, a vintage three, four-minute burst from him in the playoff game that can really separate things as well. So uh, I, I think anyone that thinks that things haven't changed for the Bucs or nothing has changed from last year's playoffs and that's going to come to bite them again, I think there's plenty of things there that you can point to to say that this Bucs team, although the main personnel is the same, they're very different. All right, so the Bucs back in action tonight at Fiserv Forum. They'll take on the Thunder in what should probably be a pretty entertaining game of basketball. Interesting to note that the Thunder will be traveling from Oklahoma City after their game. So I'm recording this before Oklahoma play Sacramento on Thursday night. They're at home for that one. Then they'll travel to Milwaukee and probably get in pretty late before this game. But uh, as we've seen before, and we saw just the other day, 
Back-to-backs happen in the NBA. Sometimes it works against the Bucs, as it did in, in Toronto the other night, even though they were able to pick up the win. But the Thunder are going to be on the wrong end of that back-to-back. In this one, the Bucs have had a couple of days off, and now they're going to take on a Thunder team that uh, maybe be a, a little bit fatigued. Sacramento's playing some decent basketball at the moment, but, geez, this, this Thunder team, just so impressive. 35 and 23 on the season. They're uh, fifth in the West now, sneakily climbing the standings. And if the season was to finish right now, that would be an Oklahoma City-Houston first-round playoff series. And I don't know about you, but yeah, uh, give me Russell Westbrook and the Houston Rockets against the Thunder in the first round. I'm pretty sure that would be pretty entertaining. But But seriously, this Oklahoma City team, it's been incredibly impressive. We, we, we go into the start of the season thinking that, well, there's no chance that Chris Paul ends the season on this team. There's no chance that Danilo Gallinari is still on the Thunder roster come the playoffs. And probably they were just playing so well that they thought, we give ourselves a chance in the first round series. We might be able to uh, make some noise in the playoffs. It's not like we need draft picks. We've got 7,000 draft picks, first-round draft picks over the next two years. We don't really need to move these guys. Let's see what this group can do. They've got the three veterans in the starting lineup. Obviously, Chris Paul is just having one hell of a season. Dylan Gallinari already mentioned, and then Stephen Adams, my mate from New Zealand. So they've got the veterans in there, and they've got five guys scoring in double digits. Uh, Gilgis Alexander is having one hell of a season. He was a borderline all-star. Potentially unlucky not to make that game. 19.4 points, 6.3 rebounds, 3.3 assists from him. He can create his own shot. He can shoot off the catch. He can drive to the basket and finish in traffic. It'll be interesting this, to, to watch him against this Bucks team because we've seen guys that can finish in traffic, can do some stuff off the dribble, can get to the basket, and they just run into the brick wall that is the Lopi and Giannis, and they can't do anything. Just look back a couple of days to Pascal Siakam to see how that can work. So Shea Gilgis-Alexander, for me, it's going to be interesting to see whether he's turned into a jump-shooting guy and whether he's sort of shies away from getting to the basket and trying to finish in there. That will be something to watch for me. The other interesting thing to note is Dennis Schroeder off the bench Incredibly, still only 26 years old. I don't know. I mean, this guy just feels like he's been around the league forever. But uh, as good as uh, George Hill, we always talk about him. And I know there was some uh, talk sort of starting to circulate. Like, is there a possibility that George Hill could win six man in the year just being on such a, a great Bucks team? But Dennis Schroeder might be getting close to locking this award up. He always plays in their closing lineups. He's averaging 19.1 points per game, 4.1 assists. The interesting thing with him We've seen him before just turn into an absolute buck killer. So 14 points per game on his career on 33% from behind the three-point arc. Against the Bucs in 20 games, a lot of these with Atlanta, and I think that most people will remember some of those games where he just went off. Incredibly frustrating. <laughs> then Schroeder, 45.2% from three against Milwaukee in his career. Just ridiculous. That's his best three-point shooting against another team in the NBA. 
and he's played 20 games. It's not like this is he's always been in the West and he's hardly played the Bucks. He's played against Milwaukee a lot, and he's been a guy that's 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 caused some damage. So if I'm looking at this game, first thing to watch if this if if this game's close heading into the fourth quarter, then then Chris Paul, you're gonna be on red alert from that guy because this is someone that has destroyed teams in the fourth quarter. And pretty much any time the Thunder are in a close game, he gets them over the line. So if it's close after three quarters, we could be in some in for some fun with Chris Paul. Uh, he's already got that that relationship with Stephen Adams. We've seen him in the pick and roll. He, he's been destructive in the pick and roll he, his entire career with the big guys that he's played with. He basically got DeAndre Jordan all star an all star berth purely by himself by throwing him lobs. We've seen him have some success with Clint Capella in Houston. Chris Paul left the Rockets, and all of a sudden, Capella was traded just a few months later, and really looked upon as a completely different player after getting this huge contract and seemed to be someone that the Rockets thought they needed. So Chris Paul, obviously, got to look out for him. Gallinari, we know the Bucks will give up threes. You've got to be careful with him. He's having an incredible season. I, I, he was someone that if there was some way, I mean, he's probably just paid too much, and that was difficult, and that's the reason he wasn't traded in the end. But he was a guy that I, that I was looking at from early in the season. I was like, I don't know how they do it. I don't know what they put together. If there's any way the Bucs could get Gallinari for the playoffs, that would be a, a hell of a move to make. And I said Dennis Schroeder. So, you know, clearly with it, with a point guard, uh, with the with and also Shea Gildas Alexander, you throw in there. So with Paul Schroeder and, and Gildas Alexander, uh, George Hill, Eric Bledsoe are going to have their work cut out for them against the Thunder. But but ultimately, this should be a really fun game. Like I said, the Thunder coming off back to back, so fatigue may be a factor here. But it is an ESPN game. Feels like the Bucks are always going to be on national TV from here throughout. We know they have a bunch of big games. So this one is just going to be really fun. Uh, we will be back after that one to wrap up that game. Three games in four days for the Bucks. They'll then travel for a day game in Charlotte and then Monday night in Miami on the second day of a back-to-back. So, uh, you know, a couple of tough games coming up here for the Bucks, but a couple of fun ones in that. So Bucks, Thunder, Friday night in Milwaukee. The Friday night crowd's always great at Fiserv. I love going to home games on Friday night. The crowd uh, always seems a little more jacked up for those. So don't forget to look out for a podcast after that game. Bucks and Thunder. Milwaukee looking for win number 51. But for now, again, apologies for no Dean. You can get at him at Twitter if you want. He had a little bit of a sore throat. I mean, big deal. For myself, Kane Pittman. We'll speak to you guys after the Bucks Thunder. <laughs>